Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And I'm so glad that you're here today because today we're talking about the subject of how God can guide us, how he can direct us, but also very importantly, when we need it, God can also correct us. And my friends, it's just like moving along in an airplane. An airplane can have various factors that will affect its reaching the destination. You can start off right, but if your heading is off or you're not making adjustments for wind speed and these other uh, variables that can come into play, such as a storm that you may have to go around the, and storms can develop, you might have to go around it. These things can affect us reaching the destination. So we have to be open to variable corrections at various times in our lives. Let's talk about it today, but first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we study your word today, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is going to give us understanding concerning direction and correction. Now, Father, we thank you that you're speaking to our hearts and you're helping us forward to reach the finish line and to accomplish the things that you've called us to do. And if there needs to be some modifications, some corrections along the way, we thank you that we are open to making those adjustments. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And around the world, we say amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let me begin by saying that God does not only speak in order to direct us, but he also speaks at times when it's necessary for him to correct us. Praise the Lord. In the school of what we would call divine guidance, or hearing the voice of God, or receiving supernatural guidance, in the area of guidance, about 25% of the guidance involves receiving the direction or getting the direction from God that you're supposed to go in. And that's critical because you can't reach the final point if you don't have the beginning point. So 25% of God's guidance is in giving directions, but 75% of the time really is spent with God keeping us on course through various corrections. Woo! Praise God. Honestly, over the years, I've learned to love God's corrections because we as humans have an ability to drift at times, and God has to keep us focused and make sure the angels are working to make sure that we stay on the right heading, on the right course. Now, perhaps you have noticed this as well, but I've seen that in what we would call spirit-filled type churches or Pentecostal charismatic type churches, we really do celebrate the Holy Spirit in the area of divine guidance. And we should celebrate the Lord, the Holy Spirit in that area. But when it comes to divine correction, we don't talk about that very much. But again, remember the initial uh, voice of the Lord will give us the divine guidance. But once you've got that and you start your journey, you are going to need various corrections along the way. And the Lord is here to help us with that. So if we 
live a life as a Christian believer and we celebrate guidance, but we ignore correction, it will absolutely bring us to a place where we get stuck and we can't go any further. It could lead to uh, these areas I would call dryness or even frustration because you realize something's not working, but today we're talking about fixing these areas. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I would like to begin today in verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. That word complete can also be translated as mature. This is somebody that really is uh, understanding of God and his ways, and God can work with this man, this woman, okay, that the man of God may be complete, mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we have the doctrine of God, and doctrine unfolds the plan of God because the doctrine or the teaching of God's word, God's ways, that's the scripture. And so as you get the doctrine into your heart, that unfolds God's plan for your life. But then there's reproofs, and they come along the way, and they keep us from making a dangerous step. Wow, praise God. And then we have the corrections. That's what we're going to talk about today. The corrections, they keep us on that path that is constantly moving us forward. And there's many variable situations. Like you could be sailing in a ship doing just fine. But if the uh, guy up in the tower sees that there's an ice field in front of you, icebergs, whatever the case might be, we need to make some adjustments, some corrections. So the corrections will ultimately keep us on that right path, moving in the way that God wants us to go. And then fourthly, there are his instructions and his instructions guide us along the way. Praise God. Glory. Now, it takes wisdom to enjoy divine direction. And that's something that we love in this ministry. And I know that you do as well is the wisdom of God. And it takes wisdom to appreciate and enjoy divine direction. But my friends, something very important that we need to know is that it takes, it takes humility to receive correction from the Lord. Praise God. So according to these scriptures, 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17, if we want to be mature, and we want to be equipped for every good work, then we must understand the role that correction plays in the life of ourselves as being believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So why do we at times need correction? Well, I think in the book of Proverbs chapter 14, we have a good scripture that speaks towards why at times we do need correction. Mm -mm. Verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man. I mean, it just, everything about it just seems right, but its end is the way 
of death. Well, if we knew that this is where this is going to terminate at, we would be like, oh, uh-oh, we'd better make some corrections. But so many times we cannot see it the way that God wants us to see it. So there are things in our lives that perhaps that we'd like to do. Maybe we're excited about it. We think, well, this is maybe the way God has made me to be. But, but that doesn't mean, particularly if it's not in agreement with God's will or his word, that doesn't mean that this is something that we can continue. No, we must stop because the end would be a wreck. And that's not anything that God wants us to be involved in. Praise God. The end of the road is death. So let's always walk in obedience to God. You know, so much of the Bible, when you look at it and you read through it, I'm, I'm talking Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, it's a book in a sense of ifs. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you hearken unto the word, the word of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, then all of these blessings will come upon you. So if you do what's right, you'll be blessed. But if you ignore that and you want to follow what would be your own carnal way, then it can lead into situations that bring much grief and misery and, and in many ways can also bring people into places of humiliation. Mm. But God wants you to have a life of dignity and honor that glorifies him. And he also wants you to be happy, but we have to do it the Lord's way. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, some believers get off track because they've made up their minds. They're going to, they're going to continue no matter what Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, they are going to continue and nobody is going to tell them that, uh, uh, basically nobody's going to tell them anything. You can't really get anything into them. That's going to change them. But God, he doesn't waste his time speaking laboriously to someone trying to get over them that, Hey, you really need to listen to me. God doesn't do that. He doesn't waste his time. If you're not going to listen, he doesn't even engage a person in that area. This is very important that we understand this. There are those, however, that he can correct and those that he can correct. And trust me, there's times when we all need correction, but those that he can correct have one consistent characteristic that can be found in their, uh, their spiritual makeup. Praise God. And that uh, can, is revealed in Psalm 25. Let's turn over there. Psalm 25, verse 9. And I believe this is in you. Praise God. The humble, he guides in justice. And the humble, not the arrogant, not the proud, not the believer who thinks he knows it all. Okay. But the humble, he teaches his way. Wow. The humble, he teaches his way. God only corrects the humble. Mm -mm. Here's, a, here's a scripture that's very interesting. 2 Kings chapter 3. I want to read this to you from verse 12 through 14. And Jehoshaphat said, 
The word of the Lord is with him. That would be in reference that uh, the word or the prophetic gift is with Elisha. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now these kings, uh, all three of them together and their, their armies, they're in a real mess. They are in a desert area and they run really low on water and there's no water in sight anywhere. So it doesn't look good for them. And by the way, that's, uh, these types of scenarios are very easy to happen in desert uh, settings and situations like that. Mother Nature can be pretty tough, uh, especially out in these areas where you haven't been to maybe survival training class, and most kings never attend classes like that. Now, verse 13, Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father, and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Here's the thing. Elisha knew that the king of Israel is not going to listen to him. Why? He never has before. <laughs> so it's not like even if they ask Elisha to come and give the advice or give the word of the Lord, it's not like uh, the king of Israel is going to say, oh, yes, that's right. Now I, now I know you're right on this. He's not, he has not obeyed or listened to anything thus far that God's trusted prophet has said. But Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, has a different nature, a different spirit, and thus, because he is really, in the sense, the king with the greatest authority, they're going to heed what the prophet says, and they experience a miracle deliverance. But Elisha, again, he knew from past dealings with the king of Israel that this king, he doesn't take advice. He doesn't listen to good counsel. He's going to do his own thing, even if it kills him. Wow. Praise the Lord. My friends, from time to time, we can all need various corrections because life is a journey. The calling, the assignment is a journey. And where God may have you here now doesn't mean that's well here. Uh, he's going to keep you at permanently. Maybe you're at a certain job, at a certain position. And God, and you know, you're right in the center of God's will. But things can change. And maybe you will be there. And maybe you'll work there until the Lord comes back. But you have to be open also to any form of correction that, that could take place. You know, there's a book that I reread just recently called The Heavenly Man by Brother Yun. This Yun, uh, Y-U-N. The book came out in 2002, and I read it uh, in the early two, uh, 2000s, and I really enjoyed it. It's one of those books that it's a big book, but it's so hard to put down once you start reading it because there's so much action and drama as uh, he's one of the most well-known pastors in the underground church in China. Now, he lives in America now, um, but a uh, fascinating book, fascinating story. And he's uh, one thing about the book is that you'll see the great miracles and you'll, you'll, you'll hear some of the wild stories. You'll, you'll read about his fast where he ate no food and drank no water for 73 days and how God did some amazing things after that fast was over and even during the fast, really. But 
As you read through the book, you'll notice he's very honest with his mistakes. And I appreciate that because uh, you see his first time in prison, all of the difficulties and torture and horrible things that took place with him. But yet God was with him in a supernatural way and would deliver him out of trial, out of trial. All the beatings, all the kickings, all of the, the horrible things that were done to him, God was with him. And he eventually was released from prison. Now, some time went by and he, he was still very you know, eager to see the work of God's kingdom uh, expand throughout China. So he kept pushing and pushing and he was very zealous, you could say. And his wife and some others tried to say, look, you're doing a tremendous work. You've just come out of also a, a pretty incredible experience. And you need, to, you need to be careful that you don't overdo it. You need to take a little break because God knows that uh, you need rest also. And plus also, you know, he, when he was in prison, he was away from his wife. He was away from his children. And, uh, but he's still just running and doing all this ministry stuff. And he's ignoring good, stable, sound voices that are saying, just take a little bit of a break. But he kept pushing and pushing. And even God was dealing with him. Lay off, lay off, take a little break. You know, there's, there's always ministry work to do. But he kept pushing and pushing. And guess what? He got out of God's will and got rearrested again. And he goes back, I think, for a couple of more years in prison. And the whole time he admits, this is why I really enjoyed the book, he admits, I disobeyed God. He said, I never would have gone to prison the second time if I would have obeyed the Lord. So it, listen, now listen, instead of, instead of him now being able to rest, recuperate, eat some normal food and enjoy his wife and children and, uh, you know, and just have some normalcy back in his life while he could still preach the gospel. He overdid it. And because of that, now he's back in prison, more beatings, more humiliation, more awful food, more awful treatment, more of these fake trials and all of the insults and all of the just horrible things he had to get dragged through all over again. And it was not God's will. Now God was with him. God helped him through it, but he knew and God let him know that, Hey, you're not supposed to be here this time. This time you, this was your own blunder. Now God doesn't forsake you, but look, if you don't listen to correction, it'll bite you. It'll bite you. And it doesn't mean that you need an angel to come down with a, with a, you know, a big chalkboard and for the angel to write on it, you need to yield to correction. No, God doesn't uh, usually work that blunt. Okay. I mean, there can be a moment where you have like a, a Balaam uh, who has to have a donkey talk to him. I mean, if you're a little bit crude, God can try to get down to that level and work with you at the place you're at. But uh, that doesn't mean he's going to uh, be doing this over and over. These are very rare moments for very special situations. So he goes through that whole ordeal again. Of course, this was a different experience, different prison. But look, nobody wants to be in prison, especially in a prison like that in China where you're getting fed hardly anything and the food you get is not any good. 
and you know all the all the rough treatment that goes with being a prisoner oh my goodness and you read that and you think this is heartbreaking the second time because he's not even supposed to be here <laughs> and he admits it too <laughs> oh my goodness wow i do believe that you can make a big blunder and you could suddenly put your destiny in jeopardy doesn't mean you blow it but you can do some things if you override correction yeah you can do some things that can make uh that can make it like uh oh that was that was not good oh pastor Stephen, i'll just bounce back uh you may be running out of elasticity to bounce back you also may be running out of time all of this is supposed to be running on a schedule now god bakes in our propensity for mistakes he bakes in this element of our humanness and understands yeah we're going to need corrections (laughs) right but that doesn't mean though you still want to do something that could detour you for a couple of years okay so he's let out of prison he eventually gets out but he gets uh he gets arrested again for a third time but the third time god was really in that because god was about to do something that was going to become famous uh and it and it was famous it's same level book of acts uh heavy duty miracle stuff begins to happen and then after that god sends him to america and gets him out you know uh, with a lot of help and the angels were i'm sure working overtime to get him out of there crazy crazy stories uh fantastic when i say crazy totally true but uh, you really see the raw power of god working and you have to understand even when the raw power of god is working and even when you're anointed that doesn't give you a free ride to disobey a correction that's coming from the lord and it's so strong that now it's coming from your spouse and it's so strong that it's coming from your close friends and you're you start turning all that off Woo, be careful, be careful, be careful. Praise God. Now, I have to admit myself, I, I am a beneficiary of divine correction. I've had it many times in my life, and sometimes it seems like it would come just before I made the turn completely to go on a wrong path. And I'm not talking about going to hell or something stupid like that. I, I'm talking about just God's plan for my life, because I'm going to heaven, but I, I have, I have a, a destiny. I have an assignment, just like you do. And so you're going to need some corrections so that we keep this plane moving on the course so that we can eventually land it right where we're supposed to be. So we've got to keep the heading just right, keep, it, keep aware of anything going on. So I had a situation when I was in my... I was in my early 20s. I had something really good happen. I, I joined this uh, like charismatic type spirit-filled church, and I have been raised in a denomination all my life that told me no more miracles, no more tongues, no more, no more fun stuff in the kingdom, basically, right? And so I was saved, but I was really dry. Or I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at this little bitty... Uh, you know, Pentecostal type church. It was real close to the college that I was attending at that time. And uh, yeah, so it was phenomenal. But here's the catch. Almost all of us there were in our 20s. The pastor was in his 20s. And so uh, one, uh, the elders were all in their 20s. You know, the elders were like 27 and 28. We got the oldest ones in the group. But I mean, what's 27 or 28? I mean, that that's great. 
But this is not like 50, 60, 70. There were no, uh, the only person I think, we had maybe like two old people come, uh, but they didn't know anything about the Bible. You know, it's not like they could say, hey, we need to uh, move this direction, you know, towards the, and they didn't know anything. So it's all being uh, led by young people. And so we had a lot of fun because a bunch of people were getting saved and a bunch of us were all getting filled with the Holy Spirit, getting other people filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was kind of crazy. Uh, some of the people that we led to the Lord and saw get filled with the Spirit, it was amazing what God was doing. But the great challenge was we were all young, we were all in our 20s, and we were making a lot of mistakes. And um, uh, what happened with me, and, and you know, I, this was just my case because we all had our mistakes going on, but we loved God, we were sincere, we just didn't have a lot of wisdom. And uh, so... Uh, there was a young girl that I liked. Uh, we were the same age, early 20s. I, I liked her. She liked me. And uh, we, we connected. And uh, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of uh, like enthusiasm in the church because we're all so young and on fire and all, we're all speaking in tongues now. Well, we, uh, she and I fell in love. And we said, let's get married. And uh, what we hardly knew each other. We didn't even really know what love was. They said we fell in love. We didn't even really know what love was. You know, it was just like a fun thing. <laughs> So, um, I, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're all excited and stuff like that. You know, have no plan for marriage, no plan for work, or we're just going to get married. Okay. So, um, we're kind of getting closer and closer to the wedding and, uh, you know, the pastor thought it was fine, you know, cause he doesn't really know anything. He's, you know, he's trying to do the best he can and he's trying to learn the Bible, you know, crash course. Cause he came out of, uh, drugs and all kinds of stuff like that. And he loves the Lord, but he's, you know, he's running just to try to keep up to get another sermon together. And we're all, you know, just, you know, young and, you know, don't know anything basically. So, um, I'm getting real close to this marriage situation, but I did kind of sense like, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't even have a job yet. And, uh, she doesn't have a job and she's going to not going to graduate for a while. And, uh, and I, you know, sometimes I'd think, how's this going to work? You know, and, but I really wouldn't think about it that much. Why? We're just having too much fun. <laughs> Let's go back down to the church, have another prayer meeting and pray all night and cast out demons and you know, all that stuff. So anyhow, a guest speaker came and, uh, the pastor had invited a guest speaker to come in. This guest speaker was a really good, solid, uh, minister in the sense that he knew the word really well. And he was a lot older, at least twice as old as we were. And he came in and he taught and, um, and he, he saw, he saw me and he said, Hey, Stephen, he said, um, and he was just a visitor, but he, but he was there for like maybe three days or something. He said, I, he said, I heard you're going to get married. He said, I, I said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, you know, when I heard that, something in me thought, Stephen needs to read this book. And he said, here, this book's for you. And he handed me a book. You know, books are amazing. And I, now I say that because I'm an author, but books can just go places you can't go. Uh, books can sit on a coffee shelf. Maybe nobody reads it. Then somebody else comes along and reads it and they think, oh my goodness, that changed my life. Well, he gave me that book randomly. And, you know, I, well, I wouldn't say randomly, give it by the Holy Spirit. But to me, it just, I thought, well, what's this going to do? And I looked at the title, Seductions Exposed. 
I thought, well, that kind of sounds interesting. Never heard of anything like this before. And, you know, because I'm, I'm a, a denominational guy that came out of a denomination that said no more miracles, no more, you know, we don't have any supernatural stuff today. All of that ceased when the last apostle died, all that baloney stuff, you know. Okay, so anyhow, uh, so I'm reading this book called Seductions Exposed, and it talks about mainly relationships, how you can get connected to somebody. And even if it's not God's will, you start, you can start relationships, start to form. And, uh, uh, you know, before you know it, you can have, there can be involvement now and, and now in the sense where you like each other. But and anyhow, the more I read the book, I realized, wow, this sounds exactly kind of like what I'm doing. And the pastor told me before he left the visiting pastor, he said, Stephen, um, read the book, uh, as you're reading the book, cause I think something's not right. I said, thank you. I said, thank you. Well, I read the whole book and I, it really spoke to me and I called the marriage off and you know, she didn't like uh, really seem that upset or anything. I guess I wasn't that upset because God was in it and she was a good person. Matter of fact, I think if I'm correct, uh, she married another one of the guys in the church who was a good guy. So I'm sure she's probably blessed today, married, has kids and all that good stuff. Um, it's just that that's not what God had planned for me, nor actually for her. So it was the Holy Spirit stepping in and uh, keeping me from going in a direction that would not be God's plan for my life. Because looking back, I can see that concerning ministry, she did not have that DNA. I'm talking, a, it's, a, it's something that a lot of people, they love God, but when it comes to being involved really in the things of God for, uh, even if you're not a pulpit ministry, but just being involved somehow, uh, she, you know, that's not like that was going to be on the top agenda of the list. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, later, uh, a few years later, it wasn't that maybe like three years later, I moved to Southern California and I moved because the Holy Spirit told me one of those rare heavy-duty moments where I had a visitation from the Holy Spirit, and He told me to move immediately to California, and I did. I changed everything in my life, packed everything, and moved to Southern California. Got out there, couldn't really figure out where to go to church. There's so many churches, um, but eventually somebody invited me to a church. Those of you who have heard my story of how Kelly and I met, it was really something set up. It was a total setup from God. And um, we met and uh, fell in love with each other because we both loved God. We, the first night Kelly and I met, uh, uh, excuse me, the first time Kelly and I went out, which was just a few days after we met, the first time we went out at a restaurant, we talked and talked and laughed and laughed and talked more and laughed and laughed. I think we laughed and talked until the restaurant closed and we were the only ones there we had to leave. <laughs> It was, it was so from God, that moment that we met. Anyhow, um, what took place was that I got to meet her pastor. Guess what I found out? Her pastor, who, of course, ended up becoming my pastor and my spiritual father, wrote the book, Seductions Exposed. So the whole time I'm reading that book years earlier, I have no idea that God has a plan for me that I'm going to meet the author of that book, and that man will lay hands on me, release 
anointing upon me will, um, I mean, so much of what I walk in, uh, a big portion of that came out from his ministry, his impartation, and even ongoing relationship today in the way that I honor him. And he and I have a very special relationship. But you know, um, I needed a correction <laughs> because I thought, well, surely this is God. Praise God. I'm just having fun. And, uh, you know, but there's a way that seems right. Uh, and so many of these things we can think, oh yeah, this is fine. But you know, when, you, when you're serious about serving God, trust me, there will be corrections because we can just have a way sometimes of uh, drifting. Now you get better. You know, you get further along with the Lord and your walk with the Lord. You get a lot better at this where you don't have to like monitor it so closely. You monitor it, but you just, you're just more sensitive. Praise God. But that was something special that God did for me uh, in the area of divine correction. Praise the Lord. We're all capable of misinterpreting a dream, misinterpreting perhaps a vision, or uh, just making some type of error as we're walking the course, the, plat the path that God has for us. But you know what, my friends? We're not going to stay on a wrong, uh, in a wrong position. That's why that correction comes, because God loves us. And let me say this to you. You're going to do everything God has called you to do. You're going to be everything that God has called you to be, and you're going to get it all done on time. Relax. And while I say relax, that doesn't mean you have all kinds of extra time for major blunder. I'm here today also to help you to be reconfirmed in the place that God has for you, but also to realize that if there has been something where you've taken a wrong detour, then don't stay. Don't stay. Whatever you do, don't stay in that wrong place. Praise God. Let me talk about for a little bit one of the major qualifications of receiving divine correction. And I really like this from Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. People really quote it about national revival. And I don't know. It seems like to me that when it's quoted, one of the big emphasis that God is making in this statement seems to be skipped. Let's see if we can take a look at this together. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14. If my people, okay, so it's referring to his people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. For some reason, everybody's excited about pray and uh, turn from your wicked ways. It all begins, though, with humbling yourself. Anytime I've ever needed a correction, the, the only reason God is working with me is that he knows I, there's a part of me that's kind of like wet clay. He, he can work with me. It's not like I'm going to be like, hey, Lord, you know, like, no, no. I'm like, okay, I, I'm willing to humble myself and let God fix something. So my friends, this is actually a four-step process. Humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from the wicked ways. Then, then he hears. But it all begins with what? Humbling yourself. Wow. Praise God. So the great qualification of divine correction is simply 
humility. Mm-mm. So we must apply hum- humility first anytime we are off course. Apply humility first. Don't just have a like a knee-jerk reaction and start doing something maybe that's one, 180 opposite. First, do it methodically in a bib- biblical spirit-led way. First, humble yourself. Humble yourself and realize, Lord, I've gotten off course here. Didn't quite feel right anyhow. And you know, that's the thing. When God brings a correction, you realize, yeah, Lord, something wasn't feeling right anyhow. I was trying to like make myself happy in the moment, but now I realize why there was this underlying thing the whole time that maybe I was trying to suppress it, but it was still bugging me. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I appreciate honesty, like in the heavenly man story. I love the story that Arthur Burt told when he had received several prophecies about a property that God had for him. And trust me, I know what prophecies like that are because I just had a key prophecy fulfilled in my life when we purchased that land a few months ago. Ooh, glory to God. Mm-mm. I was just out there the other day praying, walking all over it. Mm, glory to God. I'll, on the next email, the partner newsletter email that goes out, I want to show you a picture that I took while there on the property of something very, very precious. Amen. God's a beautiful creator. I'll show you something very special. Amen. Uh, by the way, if you haven't signed up for the email, go to the news, excuse me, go to my website quickly and sign up there at the homepage. There's a little link that says, if, if you want to sign up for the newsletter, just put your email. That way, when this goes out in just a few days, you'll be able to receive it. Praise God. But I like the story of Arthur Burt. Arthur Burt lived to be 103. He passed away just a couple of years ago. But he made it all the way to the grand old age of 103. But he had all these prophecies, uh, very important prophecies about a property that God was going to bless him with. Well, one day he thought he found the property and he took all of his savings and bought the property. You know what he did after he bought it? He put a whole bunch of work into it labor and sweat and fixing up the grounds and just making it really, really nice. And after he did all that, you know what God told him? He said, that's not the property I have for you. (laughs) Was going through a major correction. He's like, well, Lord, I thought it was. But the Lord was basically saying, you never really inquired of me. You wanted that property and you bought it, but I never told you to do that. And so now he's stuck with owning a property that he was planning on building the ministry headquarters and stuff like that. And then God says, no, he says, uh, no, that's not it. What did he do? He, he humbled himself apologized to the Lord, asked the Lord to forgive him, and then took the whole property, the deed, the deed of the property, which he owned. It was all paid off, and it was looking beautiful too. And he, because he prayed about, well, Lord, what should I do? How do I back out of this? Um, And the Lord showed him what to do. He took the property and gave it 
to a brother who had been fasting and praying for the land that God had for him. God said it's for him. That property is actually for him. And Brother Burton gave it to him completely free. Didn't say, hey, brother, I'll make you a deal on this. Hey, brother, I'll, uh, I'll reduce the price for you. Gave him the whole thing, all of it, and sowed it as seed. Later, he receives a call from a lady while he's in a certain area, and the lady says, Brother Bert, will you please come over and look at my home that I have for sale? I really feel you're supposed to look at it. And he said, thank you, but I'm, I'm not interested. But she was so persistent that he just finally eventually said, all right, I'll come look at it. Although he already said this heart, I don't want anything to do with this house this lady has. I'm not interested. And when he walked up to it, he said, oh, I'm definitely not interested. It was a house, had like 19 rooms or, you know, pretty big house. But the moment he walked into it, and the lady knew it all the time. The moment he walked into it, God said, this is it. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, it is what it is. And look, when these real moments happen of God speaking, you can't act like you didn't hear that. You can't act like, well, I, I'm just going to pretend God didn't speak to me. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, God spoke to you. I know it when God speaks to me and you do too. Amen. So he's like, I can't act like this didn't happen. You know, God didn't tell me. He's like, okay, yeah, this is it. This is it. My friends, we have to humble ourselves and be willing to uh, do the right thing. You know, these are these corrections that come to all of God's leaders, not to God's, not only to his leaders, to all of his people. Bishop David Oyedipo talked about the time that they were renting, leasing a certain property for their church to use. And they had another property they had bought, and uh, they, had, they had bought it uh, 13 months previously. And while they're renting this one place, they're working over here on this land that they have bought. And they worked on it for 13 months, and they're building on it and pouring money into it. Well, what happened at the place they were leasing, the lease ran out. And the landlord would not renew a new lease with them. And uh, Bishop Oyedipo said, okay, you know, thank you for the time we were here. And he just thought, well, we'll move over here. We'll just move over here because we own this land. We've been getting it ready anyhow. And uh, this is coming along really fast. And we're just going to move all over here. And the Lord spoke to him. Listen carefully. The Lord spoke to him and said, if you move there, your destiny is finished. It's finished. You, you, you will completely basically ruin what I'm trying to do with your life and ministry. And the Lord told him, if you move there, it's over. Your destiny's finished. <laughs> Does that mean he won't go to heaven? I didn't say that. That's not what that means. But concerning your destiny, which I know you have a destiny, and it's very important for you too. God said, if you move there, it's over with. You know what he did? He got rid of that property. Well, wait, Pastor Stephen, they've poured thousands into it. Yep, they sure did. Sweat, toil for 13 months. And he just whoop, shut the whole thing down. Shut the whole thing down. Right now, as of today, right now, they are building a church building that seats 100,000 people. And it's too small already. 
It's already way too small. Mm, 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 mm. Can you imagine if he would have just camped at that little place and said, well, Lord, I've already told the people that this is what we're going to do. And Lord, I've already used ministry money over here. Lord, I've got to please the people. Look, are you going to please God? Are you going to live a lie going around trying to please everybody else? And the whole time you're realizing, oh, I'm disobeying God, but I've got to do what the people want me to do. And yes, we do need to be people of our word. But if we've made a mistake, we need to not have these big heads where we think we can't acknowledge that if we made a mistake, as if nobody else has. Welcome to the planet. Praise God, because we've all made mistakes and we all need correction. That's in the Bible. Mm, praise the Lord. I really like this in Second Chronicles. Let's turn over there. This is actually Second Chronicles chapter 25. Mm-mm. This one's going to help some of you. Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 6. And it says, He also hired 100,000 mighty men. This would be King Amaziah. He, it says that he hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. Wow, that's a lot of money. He's already paid them in advance, too. But a man of God came to him, saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not. He's not with Israel. Why would you want to buy a house when God doesn't want you to live there and God's not going to be there? Why do you want to live in a certain geographical location when God says, uh, if you do that, I'm not there? Now, that doesn't mean he's not omnipotent, but that does mean that his presence is not there and the blessing is not there. You're totally on your own. Anything good, you've got to generate it. Mm-mm. That's an awful thing to be in on something that God is not in on. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. O king, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. We already know the problem that Ephraim, especially Ephraim, had with idolatry. But if you go, be gone, be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Then Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents of silver which I have given to the troops of Israel? I think there are a few that are watching today. You are standing literally in this spot. You have made a commitment. You have said something. You have stepped into this thing. And God's not in it. Now that doesn't mean that Maybe somebody else can't step into that, and that's going to apply to them too. We all have our own walks. I've got to call a brother, and just uh, as soon as I get uh, some free time, who stepped into something and realized, uh-oh, I've got to get out. And he's backing out of it. But sometimes you step into things and you sign things, and you can't just get out and say, well, I'm sorry, this didn't work out. God bless you. I'll see you later. Not on certain contractual things and some things can have certain contracts and certain uh, lines of employment that you get into. Uh, it's not like you can just walk away tomorrow and say, I changed my mind. But God can still get you out if you're willing to do the right thing. 
Woo! Praise God. But what shall we do about the hundred talents of, uh, you know, that would be silver, which I've given to the troops of Israel? I know what some of you do. You say, man, I've done to put too much money in this. I'm not turning back now. If God's done it, I'm turning. I'll let it all go. That's what you have to do. Count, count the loss as, a, as the price of graduating from the University of Wisdom. Mm, mm, mm. Count it as the tuition price of graduating from God's school of the University of Wisdom. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. So Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim to go back home. Oh, and of course they didn't like it. They're upset. They're upset. And some people may be upset, but who would you rather have upset at you? People or God? Hmm. Wow. Wow. So you want to please the Lord. You want to do the right thing. So be in a position of humility because there are times we all need correction. And that's what the word will do. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. And it's God helping us because he loves us. Look, if God doesn't discipline us or correct us, it means he doesn't care about us or love us, but he does love us. And look, this also, again, carries this great promise of maturity in Christ. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Let's loop back to it one more time. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's working mightily in your life, helping you, making those corrections, helping you to make them. Now, He will show them to you, but you have to do them. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, there's times we all have to make big decisions. And there are also certain things that maybe you don't know how God's going to do it. But I would say on some things... Let God choose. Let God select. Because you can have your own idea. You can maybe even research it and think, surely this is the best choice. And perhaps in some areas there needs to be research. But there's also elements of the unknown. And it could be that God, in this case, He wants to pick for you. Because it's so important to the fulfillment of your destiny. By the way, this is the way it is, especially in marriage. If you want to reach your fulfillment of God's plan for your life, uh, but then you get yoked up with somebody who's wanting to go the opposite direction, uh, you could have a real challenge on your hands. It doesn't mean you can't do it because God can really pour out some incredible grace. I've seen God do things with grace that astound me where people are pulling weights like uphill, but it, and because of mistakes they've made, but they're in something sometimes they can't get out of, but now they realize it, but, but they've humbled themselves and God can pour out such incredible grace that they're pulling this entire load uphill. And it's not them, it's God. It's God and it's powerful to behold. 
But I also want to say, if you can, you want to be nimble. You want to be uh, uh, able to run, praise God. And you want to have the joy of the Lord in your life. So if you're watching me and you've hired a giant army, you've uh, paid them all this silver, and then suddenly God says, I'm not in it, or he never was in it. We just didn't inquire previously. Do you notice how God comes in sometimes right at the last? And he's done that with me before at times with these corrections. And many times that's how the prophets operate right before you're about to go to war. God says, oh, by the way, um, I'm not in this at all. Uh, you spending all this money. I wasn't in that either. And sometimes we're thinking, well, God, why, why didn't you do, do it earlier? Mm. I think the wisdom price of tuition is very high, very high. But these are classes we graduate from, and we have really learned. We have really learned. Amen. Amen. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now. Somebody's sweating <laughs> because you're in this. You're right where the paths cross, and you are faced with having to make a decision. You've done something, but you can still get out. God can help you get out too. It doesn't mean that uh, when you do it, everybody's going to go, oh, we're so glad that you're doing the right thing. No, they don't care. There's some people, they don't, they don't care if you do the right thing as long as they make money out of it. And, uh, well, yes, we'll sell this to you. We're so glad you're buying this. But God says, I'm not in it. Okay, now somebody may be upset. Maybe they're not going to get their commission or they're going to have to find another buyer. But, uh, you know, wow, God really works in these areas. Praise the Lord. Father, I pray for your people that are watching today. I say grace grace, grace. Let them be on the course to run the race so they can see you face to face. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for humility. Uh, Father, there will be some that will need to say in some situations, hey, I, 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 I blew it. I, I took us down the wrong path. Let's, let's make the adjustment. There are some in business that have done this. They wouldn't listen to their directors, wouldn't listen perhaps to the sales team, and they uh, were not aware of some things, and it's, it's cost them. But, Father, it can all be turned around. We thank you, Father God. Even as the prophet said, as you were saying through the prophet, what is this? God can give it so much more. These are very small things. Father, I pray for your people that the main thing, they be right with you and that they not be in anything that they shouldn't be. There's a couple, I have to say this, there's a couple people watching me right now. You're about to do it again. You haven't learned yet. You've gotten burned over and over again. You were let down over and over again, and you're about to do it all over again. And I'm the last voice telling you, if you, if you override it, this, I'm talking about some business stuff. A new business opportunity. A new, uh, you're about to go into a new thing and you're putting money down and you're getting sucked in and you're going to suck others in. Listen to me. If you override this, and there's only a couple people this is for, if you override this, you're going to do it to yourself all over again, but this one's going to hurt more than any of the others. It might hurt more than all of them put together because now, by now, you should know better. You should know better. You should have already rejected it right off the bat. God wants to bless his people, 
But the love of the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and it causes people to be, be pierced through with all kinds of sorrows who run after it. Oh, hallelujah. May God have mercy on you. May you hear what I'm saying, and may you save your soul from a lot of agony. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Praise God. Pastor Stephen, are you talking about me? <laughs> That's what your prayer time is for. <laughs> Woo, praise God, amen. But there are just a couple. I'm the last voice. I'm that prophet popping in right at the end, just before you ride off the war into an army that you're not supposed to even be involved in. And you've already put stuff, you've already put money, in the, the, the couple I'm talking about, you've already invested. You're already invested in it. And God's not in it one bit. Mm-mm. Father, we thank you. Now, Father, I bless your people. Thank you. Thank you. Father, there's not a person in the Bible who is perfect except for Jesus. We all need the authoritative word of your word for correction. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, your spirit's moving, working right now. We thank you that we're going to fly straight, reach our destination. We're making necessary corrections along the way. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This is also why a devotional life must be just that. It must be a devotional that's consistently maintained. If it's not, you cannot get the updates from headquarters that you need because things can change all the time. Praise the Lord. Concerning, you know, flight variables, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If you're watching today, but you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, why don't you put him in charge of your life today and get off of the wrong path? There's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. Get on the right path that leads to heaven and eternal life. And the only way to get on that path is to receive Christ. Pray this prayer right now. He'll come right into your heart and he'll save you right now. Just say this out loud. Pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you completely. Wash my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life today and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. And amen. And amen. Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. My friends, let's take holy communion. Oh, those angels are working to keep you on the path that God has for you. Mm-mm. Hallelujah. Come on, grab some grape juice and some unleavened bread. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the juice and bread. We bless it. We consecrate it and set it apart as holy through this prayer. Thank you, Father. This is now the body of the Lord and the blood of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that as we receive his flesh, we thank you that you're helping us. Your word brings these corrections that are needed from time to time. 
Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you for a spirit of humility. As we receive the flesh, we thank you, Father, for soft hearts. Thank you. We give you praise. Let's receive together the Lord's body in his name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Mm -mm. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus, cleansing us from all sin. Thank you, Father. Let the blood be applied to our lives right now. If we've committed any sin, we ask you to forgive us. If, if anybody has sinned against us, we forgive them. Thank you, Father, for the cleansing blood of Jesus. And thank you that we're going to reach the finish line and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Now, for those that maybe have felt stuck, your destiny is not buried. Praise God. The only thing that happened is you made a wrong turn. Praise God. But get back to the Lord and humble yourself and pray. Seek the Lord. Amen. God get you back on track and uh, he can make sure that you have an inheritance. Praise God. But there's no time to wait. Praise the Lord. Father, I speak blessing over your people. I thank you, Father. They're going to see great miracles, great miracles along the way. We thank you, Father God, for a close walk with you to hear what it is that you're saying to keep us on the straight path. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.